I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Changing Podcast. I'm once again joined my friend Jakub. And uh, we had a bit of a dilemma, you know, in terms of uh, which event to start with this week, because, well, Phoenix was the first ever Challenger 175, but I was in Sakesh for Hervar and I brought some extra stuff with um, with me back to, you know, back to the show. So I think we're going to start in Hungary, actually, at the Challenger 50. By the way, the first Challenger 50 I've ever attended. Yeah, and it, what a Challenger 50 it was, a much better one than I think we were usually used to seeing. And it ended with Hamad Medjedovic lifting his second Challenger title after Ludenscheid last year. This time around, he beat Nino Sederosic 6-4-6-3. It wasn't an easy week for Medjedovic, though. He started with a win over Kachov 6-4 in the third, had to go all the way to a third set tiebreak against Yonel in the second round, where he was actually two points away from losing at 4-5-30 all. Uh, then had a huge battle against Pirosh uh, in the quarterfinals, and that really propelled him forward, beating Fernandez 6-1, 6-2, and then dealing with Sederosic in, in straight sets in the final as well. He moves up 25 spots, number 192, breaking the top 200. What did you think of Medjidovic this week? Yeah, I guess there's... Um, yeah, we should probably just start with the interview, which was after his second round match against uh, Nicolas David Yonel. Uh, so here you go. Yeah, so that was like a very frustrating match, but I guess that even makes the joy, you know, even bigger now that after you play that amazing fight like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it definitely was really frustrating. I don't know why I was so nervous today. I knew the guy was playing uh, very good. He could play a very good tennis and his game, you know, it makes you nervous. He's running, he's getting you every ball back in the court. You have to fight for every point. And that's uh, where I got nervous a little bit, but as you said, the joy is even bigger now, and uh, and I'm happy that I got the win. We're entering that part of the season where last year you had an insane run. Do you think these next few months are going to be your moments to shine again? Uh, the answer is I would like to, but uh, I'm going to give my best and hope uh, that uh, I can have even uh, better season than I had last year. And now you're going to play Jean-Paul Pirosh in the quarterfinals? So do you, um, you know, Am I? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> okay, sorry for telling you, I guess. Are you the type of player who actually, you know, likes to play against the home crowd? Because I, for example, remember that win against Mike Schack in Poland yeah. last year. Yeah. Uh, do you feel good, you know, when uh, you, you know, kind of host the crowd a bit? It can get spicy, and I yeah. love when it gets spicy on the court. I love when... Uh, when it's the atmosphere is good, I love when uh, people are cheering, no matter for who. But it definitely gives me energy. Depend, uh, it's against me or for me, but uh, it gives me the energy. That's what I thought. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thanks. Yeah, and um, as you heard, I sort of asked him like whether he thinks that uh, opposing crowds can help him uh, because he was about to play Jean Borpiroš. And um, yeah, he, he basically confirmed what I thought that um, he is a guy who likes when it gets like, as he said, spicy, uh, you know, when, when there's someone in the crowd that provokes him, he actually can take something from that and maybe even, uh, you know, use that as motivation. It actually happened in this match against Pirosh later on. Uh, there was a guy that uh, Medjedovic told him to uh, like go to a football match. He said something along these, along the lines of, you know, this is a tennis match. This is, this is different. This is a this um of course uh, he didn't say that this is like sport for the rich but th that was like the 
um, you know, the, the the big meaning behind the behind what he was saying that uh, at football matches you can scream here, you know, you shouldn't be here. Uh, the officials actually didn't kick the guy out. Like I think he just said that he wasn't doing much, and they probably believed him because, of course, Majerovic yeah. is pretty crazy on the court, and that's uh, for sure a takeaway that you're gonna ha- always have when you watch him live. Uh, the guy just can rage about every single small thing. But he is incredibly talented. And he is very nice too, which I hope you heard um, of the interview. Uh, his girlfriend was there with him. And I'm not sure if it really like helped him, but um, he seemed very, uh, like, well, very, very close to her, of course. But like after the matches, they, um, I saw them a couple of times, like when they, when they just, uh, uh, you know, just uh, he runs straight into her arms and like he seemed uh, maybe more determined because of that to me. I don't know if that's actually the case, you know, that that's my guess. Uh, but as you, as you sort of pointed out with the, with the opponents, you know, his first three rounds were so tough, especially the match against Lionel. He was, uh, well, which, uh, of course the interview was about. And, and he said, I think there that, um, he doesn't know why he was so nervous there, which was kind of funny to me because he's always like that, right? <laughs> Uh, but I guess in this one, he was like specifically, uh, very, very irritated. He had a long discussion with the umpire as well, but then eventually played like a god mode tiebreak. And this is, this is Hamad Medjedovic, you know, he is so raw. He's so immature, both game wise and mentally, but the talent is just absurd. It's breathtaking when it's, when, you know, when, when it clicks, when he's on, uh, against fairness, like he just, he just totally killed the guy, you know, 54 minutes. And, um, yeah, after that, he, he played pretty much, I think, the, at a very similar level against Serdarusic. And, uh, both these performances, I think, had him just striking the ball with this absurd, um, easy power that he has, but at the same time being so consistent, which is like, should be illegal, the, the sort of combination. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm very glad that I saw Hamad Majedovic and, um, in this tournament. Of course, uh, by the way, if, if someone doesn't know, I was there from, Sunday to Saturday. So I didn't actually see the final, but I did see four matches from Majedovic. Uh, it wasn't my first time watching him. I saw him in Kozerki last year, beating Mike Shack and then losing to Hasse. And you could already see like instantly that the guy has some elite, ta- elite ball striking talent. Uh, he was also serving extremely well. The big question is, you know, whether he can take this, uh, or whether he can do this off clay. Uh, the, I guess you have to also say that th- these indoor conditions are very good for him with uh, how they're a little bit more speedy, let's say. But, um, yeah, in general, I, I just think he's, uh, he's got some absurd potential on his hands. And as, as soon as he's able to, you know, just, um, maybe, uh, grab more experience and just maybe get a little start being a little calmer on the court he should be rising the rankings quickly like if if you told me right now you know Hamad Medjedovic to break the top 100 this year I don't know if I would say yes because he's defending so many points this spring right with the with the ODF well, ITF titles you did say yes in the off season though so. yeah I mean I I, I did say uh, yes as a bit of a like uh it's possible it's possible it's possible um it's my bold pick it could happen um i don't know if i would say yes because he's defending free itf titles than ludenscheid right but Mm -hmm. yeah he he's certainly able to do that like 
he has this in his skill set. I also talked about him with uh, Daniel Michalski, and he was like the exact same, just saying, yeah, this guy's just like far too good not to make it at some point. <laughs> it, it, by the way, it's very funny to me that um, my my conversation. I guess because I think there were two like which were longer than two minutes with Michalski were very similar to how I talk uh, to like you for example at Bratislava or to some other tennis fans uh, you know tennis fans who actually know something about like lower ranked players where it's basically like uh, you're throwing out names and you know suddenly you jump from like for example with Michalski I talked about Medjedovic then suddenly we talked about Kirill Jacquet uh, then for some reason you know someone mentions a guy like Facundo Mena and then we talk about him it's it's hilarious but I guess you know some tennis players are also tennis fans and um, he definitely knows a lot about the, the challenger circuit um, and um, and yeah he he basically said the same things about Medjedovic that I that I did he, did, he didn't know uh, like um how uh, frustrated he can be on the court like he uh, he didn't for example know all the stories from from Koserki when uh, Medjedovic was heard saying something like effing Poland and and, and etc uh, but you know just about his game yeah it, it's just so, that, that feels so unnecessary easy. but <laughs> um yeah but yeah it's just it's, it's just, just so clear that uh, it's just so clear that Medvedevich has some absurd talent, and uh, the the money from Djokovic is not going to a player that doesn't deserve it. It's just going to a player who maybe isn't ready for it yet. Yeah, I mean, speaking of football matches that you mentioned at the beginning, I've been to two football matches within the past four days, which is why my mm. voice is a, is a bit different today. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I got to see Medvedevich in Bratislava for a very brief moment uh, before he lost in qualifying to Squire. I think that was before you even came. Uh, like, But on, didn't on he play like Klein later or something like that? I think we watched that together, didn't we? I actually forgot about this, but uh, now that you're sp- uh, saying this... Or maybe... maybe oh yeah, he, a, wait, yeah, he, he did qualify. He was, a, he was a lucky... So did did I miss him in qualifying? Maybe that that's possible. Yeah, he beat I, Horansky, I only saw him in one match. He beat Horansky and then uh, yeah, we watched Klein Majedovic, but he was really off yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he his yeah, footwork that, that, was that, terrible. That was way different. Uh, and it, it's great to see him thrive again because it's it's clear just how talented he is. Uh, the clay suits him. He is a huge hitter who likes his time. Reminds me of Rebecca Shramkova in that way, except with you know a lot more potential. Who is also she's always been talked about as like indoor clay is like her perfect situation because you get you get the the faster movement movement of the ball while also getting a bit of time with the bounce off the surface. Uh, so I think that's a good situation for Medvedevich. Breaking the top two hundred is amazing for him. Uh, gets you know main main draws of challengers all the time now. Doesn't have to worry about that at all. Um, and yeah, it's just great to see him to see him thrive in this way. Let's move on to Nino Sederosic, uh, who was in his fifth challenger final, still winless in challenger finals, still waiting for that first title. Uh, but still a huge week for him, kept coming in with a nine loss streak, uh, breaking it with a bit of fortune, getting an injury from Mate Valkus and a retirement in the first match. From there, he beat Ginard 6 4 in the third, then Jumhur 6 4 6 3, beat Marojan in a huge match 7 6 in the third. Uh, after all that, he moves up eight spots, number 249. What did you think of Sedarosic this week? 
Yeah, uh, maybe let's also kick off with the interview. Uh, this is after he beat uh, Damir Jumhur in the quarterfinals. And I'm gonna like um, you. You can hear me mentioning um, like I, I'm gonna say something along these lines of um, your doubles partner who just passed us. Uh, and I'm talking about Manuel Guinard, by the way. But of course, since he just passed it, you know, it was funny to say it like this. But um, if someone doesn't know, then yeah, let's just go with it now. Yeah, so you came into this event with zero wins and seven losses for the year. So is there a feeling of relief along with the joy of making the semifinals? Yeah, of course. It was tough to get to every first round again. And uh, after losing seven times this year uh, with zero confidence, but uh, I, I managed to, you know, get into the first match positive. Even though I lost the first set, I kept on going. And I was sure even... Even if not on this tournament, then some week is going to come doing. You are playing doubles together here with the guy who just passed us, of course, and he was also 0-7 and seven for the year. Is, this, is it something that you guys sort of joked about? Oh, we talked about it a little bit, yeah. It's a very tough period for, uh, for a tennis player. Uh, everyone is playing good, so it's tough to get in the match with no confidence, but eventually it's going to come, so yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for him. Lastly, you played Jumhur three times already, like fairly recently, and you've beaten him all three times. Is there something about this matchup that you know suits you, that works well for you? Uh, I, I have to say, I played today with one of the best matches in in, in a while. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine, an amazing career from him, a tennis player, and uh, I'm just happy that I got through today. Thank you. Yeah, and as he said, I mean, um, Serdarusic was 0-7 and seven for the year, but honestly, even in that Valkus match, even though he got the retirement, he was not hitting like a guy who was 0-7. and seven. And Guinard, who played doubles with him, was also 0-7 and seven for the year. And they played each other in round two, which was a fascinating story. And I, I legit thought that maybe this was how they, you know, got together for, for the doubles this week or something like that. But Serdarusic, <laughs> uh, like said they, they talked about it a bit, but, but didn't like, um, you know, my questions, uh, and my question was like, uh, did you, uh, have any jokes about it or something like this? So, uh, apparently not really. Uh, I thought that this was going to be like a golden story, you know, if, if it turns out that Serdarusic Larusic and Guinard bonded over uh, their 0-7 records. Uh, they're both uh, they're both uh, actually at uh, much better um, you know percentages now. I mean, Guinard is one and eight, and Serdarusic uh, is is at uh, four and eight. Um, certainly, as you said, I mean, zero and five in challenger finals. I think this is a guy who certainly deserves to have one. Um, he hasn't won a set in 10 uh, attempts, uh, I guess, <laughs> when it comes to Challenger Finals, because he only won his first uh, set against Arthur de Greff in, um, or de Greff, I guess you would read it. I don't know how you would read it in Belgian. We have a Belgian fan who, who will probably tell us, but since the guy has been suspended for match fixing for the past couple of years, uh, she hasn't really had the opportunity to yet. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, he lost the next two sets against the Belgian and then four consecutive times uh, straight sets against, well, tough players, right? Rune, Ugo Carabelli, uh, Gastão Elias in Portugal, and now Medjedovic. Is it his fault? Like, not really. He hasn't really been it, choking in these matches, luck. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so, like having to face Hamad Medjedovic in his current form in a Challenger 50 final wasn't really fair on Zedrosic here. Yeah, I don't think. maybe <laughs> maybe if he played Medjedovic in the opening round, you know, if if like a guy like Gakov, Yonel, Yonel was defending extremely well, but even you know Gakov came so close, maybe then Zedrosic would have a chance. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just didn't stand uh, any any really um, opportunity to beat Medjedovic, uh, and it was like that, you know, in, in many of his finals, like against Runa. Like against Hugo Carabelli for sure, and yeah, Elias in Portugal, we know what he can do. So I, I, I definitely hope that you know Serdarusic will do it at some point. Uh, you know, especially the win against Maroshan was fantastic. He was uh, serving extremely well. Of course, the forehand. Um, is 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 such a good weapon when when he can just um finish the points rather quickly indoors as well you know it, it it's helpful for him for sure um we uh we talked about it a, a bit um some time ago that it's kind of weird that Serdarusic doesn't have a single hardcore final in his career with the with the sort of game profile that he has that he only succeeds on clay but faster clay is is gonna be great for him and yeah I hope he does it at some point. Uh, I think he's, yeah, currently he's the highest, uh, like he's got the most, uh, along with Roberto Marcora, they are the two players who have the most challenger finals without a challenger title uh, when it comes to active players. Of course, Yannick Madden had seven finals, but he's already retired. And Marcora and Serdar uh, are currently at five. I think Bryden Schnur is at four. Yeah, I mean, Serdar definitely has a lot better chance of doing it than Marcora does. Oh, and Bryden uh, Bryden Schnur, I guess, since he's yeah, also Schnur not playing. Well. Yeah, j- just 26 years old. I feel like we'll we'll see him do it at some point. But yeah, it, it must be tough mentally also at this point, going 0-5 in these finals. Let's move on to our semi-finalists, starting with Fabian Marojan, who was the top seed coming off of his title in Antalya. Uh, he got a retirement from Mili Polichak in the second set of his first round match, beat Vatutin 6-2-6-2. Got a retirement from Andreev in his quarterfinal at 6-1-3-1. Uh, but his eight-match uh, win streak ended against Sedarusic. What did you think of Marojan this week? Yeah, uh, pretty scary stuff, honestly, at the beginning. I guess we'll start from the interview as well. This is actually the second time that Fabian Maroshan appears on the show. Both of us talked to him in Bratislava, although not not at the same time. We had a, like a... I think we I think I combined it into um into one interview on the show but it was actually two separate ones and by the way also Medvedevich was uh you know appeared for the second time I have to start like a spreadsheet or something uh to remember I think Kolash and Shevchenko are currently the only players who have appeared on the show for us three times Medvedevich was here in Kozerki and in uh yeah and now in Sekeshvahervar of course Maroshan as I said Bratislava and Sekeshvahervar anyway here's the interview this is after his first round win against Polichak uh, so let's do it. Yeah, so this is the first challenger in Hungary in over four years. What does it mean for you and also for tennis in your country to have this event? Uh, I'm really happy about this. We have a challenger here in Hungary. Uh, the last one was in 2016, maybe. I don't uh, know. 19, I think. 19? Budapest, yeah. In Budapest, yeah, maybe. Uh, I think I played there. I got a wild card. And... Uh, and uh, that was my, my first challenger in my career. Uh, it means a lot. I mean, the Hungarian tennis is, uh, I think, it's a little bit growing up at the moment. We have uh, good players. Now uh, we, have, we have one top 100 player and two players who is in the top 200 and one guy who is to 400, uh, sorry, 240. Uh, we have one good junior 
So I think we have a good chance to to get better players and, and get more changer in Hungary. Uh, you won in Antalya last week, of course. And how how much different are the conditions here? You know, given the fact that it's indoors compared to uh, outdoors, everything is different. I mean, that was uh, outside. It was a little bit windy. Uh, there was a lot of rain. Rain, sorry. Uh, the balls. It was very heavy. I mean, we played with with the head pro, which is a heavy ball here. It's inside the court is a little bit faster. I think uh, inside the, the bubble or the building, I don't know, it's a little bit dark for me, mm-hmm. especially, and uh, the balls are are flying here uh, much better than, than in uh, Antalya. So everything is everything is different. Yeah, and how do you feel physically? Do you think you're you know, you're going to be able to go back to back if uh, you know if it's possible? Uh, I don't know. At the moment, I'm I'm feeling good. I mean, I, I played uh, six match. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can say that uh, I feel something in my legs and in my back, but I think it's uh, it's, it's normal for a tennis player if, if someone uh, playing final or winning tournament. It's not easy to travel in from one country to the other one. So yeah, I'm feeling a little bit tired, but uh, I don't want to say uh, that I'm not gonna play or something like this. That's that's normal to just going week by week. So. I'm feeling good. I'm trying to to do my best, and I would be really, really happy if I can play some final here. Thank you. Um, yeah, and um, this was definitely the title favorite for sure. Um, when I saw, uh, you know, how quick his first three matches were, how well he was playing as well. I mean, I know it was two retirements, but he was just crushing all these guys. You know, he um, he plays this br- weird brand of tennis when he's confident, where uh, it kind of feels like uh, I'm gonna end the point in four shots challenge. Like there are some, um, you can do it as a bit of a training. Um, option right that that you just uh, start the point and you have to finish the point in four shots i don't know if that's actually something that people do in tennis yeah i mean it, like, like, like it, it is a tactic it wasn't really i, I had the opposite problem uh i would yeah uh-huh. it, it was more about keep, keeping me in the rally okay. uh, rather than me trying to end it early which is what i mostly try to do uh but yeah I, I i have seen that i have seen that done before where you basically have two players rally and they have to end it in in four shots yeah i've done these sort of exercises in table tennis for sure and um yeah, Maroshan kind of plays like this when he's confident, you know? He just takes everything so early. Even when he's defending, he's on the baseline usually. Uh, all these drop shots that um, sometimes are just uh, you know, just per- spot on, absolutely perfect. And uh, again, f- serve him as a tool to, to to sort of make the rallies even shorter. He's got a pretty decent serve to to help him with that as well. And yeah, the, the, the way he just crashed Fatutin, I, I thought we were stupid for not picking, for, for, you know, for not picking him this yeah. week. I certainly thought that we just made an error. And uh, then it turned out that against Serdarusic, it wasn't that great, you know? He um, he struggled to overwhelm him like that. I think it was mostly because of yeah, the big serve of Serdarusic, but also the um, very heavy uh, ball he plays from the baseline. And it just wasn't so easy for him to play his game. Um, what does that mean for the future? 
probably not so no 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 no, no not much. Uh, I think still in the clay season, Maroshan will have a very good chance to go like you know even even maybe debut in the top 100 in a couple of months. Uh, if he won this title, he would have been like one run away uh, because he didn't. Of course, he's still a bit further behind, but yeah, still with every chance of doing it. Um, all these three Hungarian um, 98, 99 boys, uh, boys, as we were calling them last time, I think are extremely talented. You could probably argue who is, you know, who has the most potential. Of course, Maroshan is the only one really that has been healthy uh, of them all. And uh, that gives him a, a, a huge head start. And yeah, the player that we saw in uh, Antalya and in most matches in Sekesvahervar is just really scary at this level and uh, indoor clay as well fantastic for him for sure yeah i mean and, and with this he, he's well inside the the top 130 uh it, it has been also due to health but but i do find it quite interesting that out of those three he was probably the least talked about as a, as a junior and, oh, and yeah. as a young player uh, seen seen as the player with, with the least potential and then he's the one making these strides the the furthest so far and, and fastest yeah I, this is actually um on the um, during the interview you heard he was like i asked him a question about um like the, the last challenger in hungary being um you know not for uh, not since 2019 or something like that. And he was, oh yeah, I had a wild card. It was like 2016, 17. And I'm like, no, 2019. And I saw he was a little confused. And I know why, because I later checked his records and he only had one uh, challenger wild card in 2017 to Budapest. And then later in 2018, 19, he wasn't even getting qualies wildcards. He was just playing ITFs, wow. which kind of goes with what you what you said, that he wasn't perceived like... as, as one of the biggest Hungarian prospects, right? I mean, I'd, I'd love to check which other Hungarian players got those wild cards <laughs> over him, like Peter Nagy or Levante Gordi, maybe back then, but players yeah. uh, that should not have been receiving them over over Marozhan, I mean, especially. But I guess you know, no one, no one really knew <laughs> yet, right? Yeah. Uh, that he was going to be so uh, that he was going to be so strong, and um, yeah, I, I, I guess it makes. Uh, just makes sense what you said that he wasn't really the like the, the more the most obvious prospect at first, and also um, I, I actually talked about all these Hungarians with Michalski as well, and he was basically saying as yeah what 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 we've been saying I think that um, Valkus, Valkus and Maroshan uh, probably have the like the higher potential than upside than 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 Pirosh. perhaps Valkus the highest of them all, and you know yet. He's constantly injured, and even here, he of course retired to Serdar Rusic. But, uh, but yeah, you're, you're very much right that Maroshan apparently wasn't perceived as that huge a prospect, you know, at, at first at least. Um, oh, I guess that was also the year when um, qualifying was only for four players, you know, in 2019. Oh, yeah, maybe. So da yeah, David uh, Sintai got a qualifying wildcard, um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. And like in the main row, uh, there's Pirosh, there's Nagi, Nagi, I don't know how to read it. And Bo Borsos, um, Gabor Borsos. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that there was a guy like that. Um, Molchan as well, interestingly. So I guess there was yeah. some, some sort of a trade. And, um, 2018, for example, there was Valkus, Pirosh, Borsos. Naji, yeah, that's the same players basically, and then the qualifying was bigger, so I guess there must have been Godri. Um, ah, that's the guy you mentioned, Levente Godri, mm -hmm. yeah, Keen. I don't know the guy, 
Daniel Keen from Hungary, Peter Mack. Yeah, for example, guys like Peter Mack and Daniel Keen, which who seem to be like a little younger than Maroshan, even 2001, 2000, um, Noza as well. So I guess some other, um, and Popirin, interestingly. No. Um, that, yeah, that, that, that's wild. Uh, Peter Salai uh, from, Hung- uh, from, I guess, from Hungary, 2001 born. Yeah, so Maroshan was actually like not favored. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And now he's like the, yeah, out of all these three guys, he's definitely the one closest to breaking the top 100. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our other semifinalist, Evan Furness, who reached the semis, uh, getting a walkover from Elliot Benchetri in the first round after they played the first set, then defeated Steven Diaz, uh, 6-4 in the third, took out Flavio Coboli, 7-5-6-2, his first challenger semifinal in almost a year since Ostrava, which was last April. What did you think of Furness this week? Yeah, I was it also, was also on... your winner pick, right? Uh, yeah, I was yeah. also on the ground in Ostrava, uh, interestingly. And um, <laughs> well, I guess I I can't be really angry about my winner pick here because I literally said that I don't think Furness is winning the title, but I think he will get to the semifinals and then maybe he can figure something out. He didn't. <laughs> You know, uh, he was just, uh, I felt sorry for him um, seeing that Majedovic match because he was just, he had no idea what to do. Uh, he played a couple of great points at the end by basically just smacking the ball, uh, you know, because he had nothing else basically that he could uh, do to touch Majedovic. Um, and um, yeah, otherwise, I think he did exactly what he was like supposed to do, exp- supposed to um, ex- expected to do in a way. And um, I, I've certainly, I've also watched him in Vilnius where he retired in the quarters to Brody, but um, I think a match against Kirkin he played there kind of really told me that he is making some progress because just comparing these two guys, uh, you know, he was definitely the one who could um, very easily flatten out his strokes compared to Kirkin. He had a much better serve. And um, I think these are elements in his game that have been improved a ton since last year. It's still, you know, his ceiling is very limited, let's be honest. But um, yeah, but I think just getting semifinals like that, getting the wins he is expected to um, would be already a, a big step forward. Yeah, let's talk about some of our quarter finalists in Sekish Fehervar, starting with Jean Borpiroš, who beat Kimer Kopejans in three sets, then got a retirement from Daniel Michalski, lost that huge battle to Medvedevic, uh, but he this was a tournament that he definitely needed. Uh, he struggled over the past two months, the first time he's got back-to-back wins since Australian Open qualifying. What did you think of Piroš this week? Yeah, maybe let's just roll of the interview, um, which was after his win against Kimer Kopejans. So let's let's do it now. Um, that was a pretty tough opening round draw, right? The the opponent and also how it went. Yes, yes. Actually, uh, he's a very tough player. He was, uh, I think, he was top hundred yeah. before. Uh, he's, I think, he's better on clay. We played together uh, last last year uh, on hard court. It was a uh, same final set for me, but it was a uh, much much. Uh, it was a totally different match on, on hard court outdoor. It was, it was uh, so much different here indoor clay. But uh, yeah, he was uh, starting really well, very aggressive. I was uh, I was the passive player. I was defending uh, much more, and uh, he deserved the first set, even if I uh, ended it with a double fault. But after I sit on the bench, and uh, I was thinking it's 
it, it's impossible to play like this against him because uh, he will crush you. And I switched to a little bit more aggressive game, uh, which is always comes with uh, with some errors, but uh, it was part of the game. And uh, I was uh, the aggressive player after that, I think. Obviously with a bit more mistakes, but uh, more winners as well. And uh, I was a bit uh, controlling the match after the first set. And uh, yeah, it, in the end, he gave me three three easy uh, mistakes, uh, which I needed very much because I was uh, I was very tired in the yeah, end. The drop shots, right? Yeah, the drop shots. I didn't even if I catch the drop shot, I wasn't that fast. Like in the first or in the second set, and I I'm, I was starting to feeling that. So if if he come back from five three, it would be like seventy uh, percent for him, I think. It's the first challenger in Hungary in four years. Yes. Uh, so could you tell me something about what this event can give uh, you know your players, your country, your federation? Yeah, I mean it feels like Davis Cup because uh, it's very rare that uh, when we are mm-hmm. organizing a challenger or an event like this. So. Me and all the Hungarian players, uh, I think, appreciate every, every minute of that because uh, it's not like in France every week a challenger and we have to appreciate every match, every 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 hour here. I think the the courts are okay, not the best, but uh, we have to get used to that. Uh, the organization, I think, it's very good and uh, the atmosphere here is perfect, so it's like international level. So I'm very happy about that. Thank you. Thank you. Congrats. Um, yeah, uh, by the way, uh, Pirosh seemed extremely nice, like very, 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 very friendly. Um, I'm, I'm not saying anyone was unfriendly, but uh, he was like, uh, uh, you know, went the extra mile, let's say. Uh, in general, I thought the match against Kopeyans was played at a very high level already. Uh, the first set, um, you know, he lost it in a tie break, but, um, it was just about like, I think the level over the course of the, the three sets, Pirosh was just playing pretty much the same and Kopeyans didn't maintain that intensity, but it was hard. Um, and even at the end, actually, um, you know, the Belgian was still causing some trouble for Pirosh, who was kind of spent and he, he talked about it. Um, just from chasing down Kimmer's drop shots, which were very frequent. And it was the same against Majetovic, honestly. Uh, he, Piroz just seemed really spent at the end of two, um, you know, of matches that lasted only two hours and like 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, even the match against Majetovic, uh, against Majetovic was very fast paced. Um, I guess that, you know, that these indoor conditions, uh, played a part in it. Um, but in general, I think his level was very high. I, thought that he was probably going to make the final along with Maroshan. Of course, in, at the end, um, um, no one really, uh, you know, neither of them uh, made it there. But uh, Pirosh, uh, even though, yeah, I, I don't think he has quite the upside of Valkus or, Mar- or uh, Maroshan, but he has been doing, uh, like, especially since the um, fall of 2021, let's say, uh, he has made sure that he uh, is able to uh, you know, just to stick around with better players by adding a lot more pop to his game. And it shows he is very often trying to go for like down the line opportunities, sometimes with uh, poor results, but 
uh, he is certainly like trying to maximize his potential. And yeah, since since the junior days, he's certainly come a long way. And basically all of that progress seems like it's been done in the past year and, and a half, I guess. But uh, of course, we've talked about him um, numerous times on the show last year because he won a couple of challenger titles. And um, yeah, it just seemed like he was playing at a top 100 level, but basically... Again, he is just unable to keep himself in good shape and uh, in good health for the past few months. This, I, I think we mentioned it last time, maybe even, that um, all of these guys have a very similar body type. Valkus, uh, Valkus Pirosh, Maroshan, they're so thin. And uh, I wonder mm-hmm. if that also plays a part in, 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 in the injuries because, well, Maroshan has been very healthy, I guess. But Valkus and Pirosh are constantly, constantly in some trouble. Yeah, let's move on to Flavio Caboli, who made the quarterfinals, getting wins over Hassan and Janessi. He's also not been in the best of form. His first back-to-back wins going all the way back to uh, Poon at the beginning of the year, where, I mean, the best player he beat was Daniel Kolaj, uh, so it wasn't a particularly tough draw there. Um, but yeah, what did you think of Caboli this week? Yeah, maybe let's kick off with the interview. I think it was after, yeah, after the first uh, round win against Benjamin Hassan. Yeah, so you had to fight really hard for the win today, right? In the uh, in the opening round, uh, how do you feel about this? Uh, yeah, about this match? It, it was a really really tough match. He, he played very well. So at the beginning, uh, the match was basically difficult. Then when I, when I try, when I found the the, the, the condition and then. Start to play better. The, the matches changed, so I'm very happy to to win. And now I'm focused for the for the next one. You're going to defend your title in Zadar soon. Do you feel like more pressure right now on yourself because of the points that you might lose if you, yeah, if you yeah. don't? <laughs> Good question because uh, there are many points, but I don't want to think about points. I wanna mm-hmm. wanna return to fun to play tennis because it was a really difficult uh, um, moment for me and. and now I'm focused for fun and play better match, uh, match for match. So now, now I'm thinking about tomorrow. And there are so many young Italians right, like yourself right now breaking through to the tour. Now what's the reason for that? Do you, do you think there's something that your federation does better than others? Yeah, the federation has been a very, very good work. So we, we are many, many Italians to top 200. So something is uh, something is good for sure. Uh, but I want to think about me and mm-hmm. now I want to think about more. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and as you could hear, he mentions like a very like a um, just wanting to have fun playing tennis again after a tough moment. I'm not sure what exactly he meant, but um, I guess it must have been you know just related to the lack of form that he experienced in recent months. Um, Koboli is certainly in that sort of a weird spot where after the 2021 season, we thought he was like the prime Italian talent, right? Mm-hmm. And then he even wins a challenger title in Zadar to, well, not to start yeah, the year. He but, has to defend, yeah. Yeah, but it, it was like at the beginning of the season, right? Um, almost, of course, uh, the end of March. And he was still on track to be that prime Italian talent. And then suddenly in the summer, so many guys pop up. And now suddenly Koboli, like no one cares about Koboli, right? Um, he is in big ranking trouble if he if he doesn't defend Zadar, as you, as you said. Same for Michalski, but Michalski actually won't defend it uh, because he, he, he got a pretty huge cold. 
uh, in uh, that's why he retired to Pirosh. But anyway, yeah, Koboli, uh, I think um, sometimes you can just see that tennis can be so easy for him. You know, the, the shot making can also be pretty off the charts, uh, but he is a bit lost on the court and matches like, um, you know, against players like Fairness expose that when uh, some the opponent is just really quick. And uh, Koboli is kind of struggling when he needs to just hit through someone, a good defender like that. And um, but it's good for him to get any you know playtime, any wins here because of course very easily he could have been out in the opening round. Um, Hassan, it, it, he wasn't really the like the better player throughout the match against Hassan or anything like that. It was a really tough one, and uh, yeah, just getting more more matches before Zadar is definitely huge for him right now. Mm-hmm. And you also spoke to Gerald Meltzer, uh, who's in the middle of launching uh, sort of another comeback once again. Uh, he qualified past Boros and Verbensky and lo- lost to Andrei in a third set tiebreak, so pretty high level. What did you think of him this week? Um, yeah, let's let's start with the interview, which was actually after he qualified. Yeah, so last week he also qualified in Antalya, but then didn't actually play in the main draw. Are you, you know, do you feel better physically now? Do you feel you, you're like you're gonna you know be able to play this week? Yes, I mean um, last week was a little bit unfortunate because uh, in the last round of qualis I hurt my knee in the first game of the second set. So uh, and then the next day it was like really really bad, so I couldn't play. And uh, yeah, it still hurts a little bit. Like when it's cold in the morning and everything, but now now everything feels fine and I'm, I'm ready to play. The last few years in general, we've had a lot of tough moments injury-wise. You know, what sort of gives you the motivation to keep going despite having to spend so many months you know, silent? Well, it's more years than months, but uh, yeah. the past three, four years have been like really tough physically, mentally, um, everything, what happened. and. Um, I, I still feel like uh, my game is still good enough to, mm-hmm. to, to play with the guys, so I think it's, it would be, would be a shame for me to, to retire early. I mean, I'm, I'm turning 33, so there are still older guys than me. And um, yeah, as long as I feel like I still have the level to compete, then uh, why not keep going? Yeah, and this is an indoor Kai event, which is kind of a rarity on the Challenger Tour. You know, what's the difference between this and, for example, Antalya, and does it suit your game, you know, these, these sort well, of conditions? Well, the good thing is that, like, coming from Austria mm-hmm. and um, growing up, uh, having lots of months of, of, of cold weather and not being able to, to play outdoors, so I'm, um, I'm used to play indoor clay, so actually I, I think it suits my game pretty well, and... Um, yeah, as I said, I, I spent so many <laughs> years, months um, playing indoor clay. So, so for me, I, I personally like it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, and it was uh, it was quite funny because at the time he was still unbeaten for the year, as you could hear in the interview as well. He um, well, he played qualifying in Antalya, then withdrew. He said it was because of a right knee issue that he got in the match against Moleker. Uh, but then actually played the main draw in, in Sekesh for Hedvar and yeah, looked pretty great. I mean, uh, it didn't seem like anything was bothering him. He pushed Andreev very hard. Um, uh, certainly a fun, uh, character to have on the tour, you know, that, that's sort of a veteran who at some point looked like he was maybe even headed for an ATP tour, camp- uh, you know, career of like being a, a main tour. Um, I don't know if mainstay, but, um, someone who will actually, you know, play. Um, ATP tour events with, uh, with a lot of frequency, but then of course had 
like almost two years of not playing. I think I think even uh, yeah, even over two years of not playing. So uh, yeah, right now he was just again uh, injured and and couldn't start his season until March. Uh, hopefully that these issues are gone because his level was certainly quite high this week and uh, he's also already won his first round match in the qualifying for Zadar and plays David Pichler in the second round so he has a very nice chance to to qualify again mm-hmm. over in the doubles we had Bogdan Bobrov and Sergei Fomin win their maiden challenger titles uh beating Agabi, uh, Agabigun uh and Kirkin who made back-to-back finals you spoke to Bobrov and Fomin. Uh, what did you think of their week? Um, yeah, Challenger doubles just continues to be puzzling, frankly. Um, the the, <laughs> the pairings that I think I wanted to watch here was definitely Kurashira Manatan, and they lost mm-hmm. to Agapikun Kirkin. Um, to an extent, Bergevic Tsitsipas, um, Manafov Prihotko and Rasha Sharan I've watched very recently. So, uh, you know, these ones didn't really, um, I think maybe I watched Manafov Lutarevich recently rather than Manafov Prihotko, but I watched Manafov Prihotko also like in the past. Rasha Sharan were in Vilnius. Um, so, um, yeah, the pairings that I wanted to see actually lost. <laughs> pretty quickly especially Kureshira Manatan that was that was a crazy upset and um yeah the 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 final that came out was actually weird because well Agabigun Kirkin just don't seem like doubles players at all and yet they make back-to-back challenger finals back-to-back finals which is which is wild for me and beating Um, Kureshi yeah Uh, I mean they they, they clearly have some, some chemistry together uh, the, these Turkish, I, I feel like a lot of players get uh, from Turkey get wild cards into challengers and tournaments all over because obviously Turkey has so many ITFs to hand out wild cards at. So they have a lot of trades, and I feel like they finally struck gold a little bit with with one of their pairings that they get to put out. Yeah, I mean, even um, before Antalya, uh, Agapigun and Kirkin played four challengers together and never won a match. And now they make back-to-back finals and they were actually 9-7 up against Fomin, uh, against Bobrov Fomin. Uh, let's maybe roll with the interview here. Uh, the celebration we're going to talk about there is uh, Bobrov just walking around the court on his hands. Um, so yeah, let's get to let's get to the interview. Um, yeah, so maybe Sergei, you first because you won a challenger singles title earlier, and I, I know that must have been more important for you. But I guess this one, you know, here, yeah, because you saved a couple of set, a couple of match points as well, it has to be pretty sweet as well. It's so special for me this title because I lost already two times in the final. Yeah, and then uh, we are playing with Bogdan. It's second tournament. Our win rate is 100. We yes. even didn't lose the one. Right? Yeah, and like so happy to play here. I mean, the clay court. It's my first time to play clay court indoor. And you know, you need to just enjoy it, enjoy the moment, and every time, especially when you're winning something on this tournament, it's good. It's unbelievable because in the tennis, you know, depends you lose or you win. Everything, your day and your life depends on you. Just win or lose. Bogdan, fantastic celebration. Was that really spontaneous or did you, you know, think of it earlier? Maybe if you won your uh, earlier doubles titles in, in, on the Futures Tour, did you do something like that as well? I started to do it like when I was a kid because I was doing a bit of gymnastics and I uh, started to do it uh, yeah, as a adult, as a kid. And then I just, before I was doing it after every match, but then it was like senseless mm-hmm. at some moment. With your kid, there is like no one on the, from the crowd. So now I'm only doing it like after trophies, like it's not not happening super often, but as soon as I, yeah, 
I do it, it's a special moment for me. So today is my first uh, trophy on the Challenger Tour. So I hope I can do it repeated many more times. Thank you, guys. Congrats. Um, yeah, and as you could hear some <laughs> some cool stories from uh, from the Russian there, um, it was it was certainly quite fun. I I wish I took out my you know I managed to take take out my phone in time uh, to record him walking around the court on his hands, uh, but uh, it's also not on stream. Like this, the stream was uh, closed before before it happened. Uh, but certainly a, a very nice victory for the guys. It was their first challenger doubles title. Of course, Fomin has a challenger singles title from Shimket last year. Uh, but doing this in, in this style, of course, as well, 7-9 to 11-9 in the deciding set tiebreak made, made it uh, a very exciting uh, doubles final, which I didn't really expect that it would be um, thrilling. And I you know, for uh, for the most part, it wasn't. It was thrilling, though, because yeah, it, it got very dramatic. How can Agapikun and Kirkin reach back-to-back challenger finals in doubles? I don't know. And um, I guess yeah, we're we're just nearing the end on 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 uh, Certainly a, a fun experience for me, as you said, like one of the best challenger fifty uh, draws that we've seen. I I would say the best. Maybe not necessarily in terms of every first round match, because there were some that were, uh, yeah, what we're used to at this level. But the quarterfinals, and that's also because the um, you know seven of the eight seeded players made it. Uh, the only yeah. one who who didn't make it was Guinard, and you could certainly even make an argument that Serda Rusic is the more high profile player. Maybe, well, maybe it's debatable. Uh, but I, I I probably want to watch Serda Rusic more than I want to watch Guinard. And yeah, matches like Medvedevich Pirosh in the quarters, Maroshan Andreev, Maroshan Serda Rusic as well. You know, the, these are actual treats at this level for sure. So um, certainly glad that I visited. Uh, the scheduling was super weird, and that's like the only thing I have about the um, you know against the tournament because. If you're an indoor event, why the hell are you trying to finish your days? Um, even on on you know when people are working, why why are especially, you trying to finish especially because it had yeah like, especially because it had like decent crowds through, throughout the week yeah and then why on the on the on the matches of Hungarians it was actually pretty decent but I, I don't it, think yeah. they, there was any ticketing so I guess they just didn't care. And um, they, they did care though and put a lot of the Hungarians, like basically every Hungarian they can on Wednesday, which was a national holiday in, in Hungary, the commemoration of the 1848 revolution, the springtime of the peoples or whatever it's called. And like the, you know, the whole movement in Europe of, of revolutions at the time. And, um, and yeah, the crowds are actually pretty nice, I think, for a Challenger 50 in a uh, 95,000 population city or something like that. The ninth uh, biggest city in Hungary. I I was kind of surprised that there was that the crowd was uh, the crowds were decent and yeah certainly a, a nice low key venue. Hopefully this event stays on the calendar because yeah we've established that um there there's plenty of Hungarian talent right now even though it's maybe just free and like you know um, one good junior but um that's still uh, a lot more than some other countries have so. Uh, it would be fun to see more Hungarian challengers. And so we go from the smallest event of the week to the largest. We go to Phoenix, where we had our first ever challenger 175, and its first ever champion is Mio Borges, who beat Alexander Shevchenko 4-6-6-2-6-1 in the final for his, first, for his fourth challenger title, second of the season. 
strong run. I mean, this was such a strong draw going all the way to the qualies. It was insane. Um, he started by beating Diego Schwartzman in the first round, then took out Safiulin, Popirin, and Struf to make the final where he beat Shevchenko. Up 12 spots, number 68 in the rankings, his new career high ranking. Uh, he has earned 345 of his 722 points in the past month, including the, the Monterrey title. And uh, I, I, think, I think it was like an Acapulco second round or something that gave him the 45 points. Uh, great run from, you know, he basically secures top 100 for the foreseeable future. Um, I am so excited to see what he does in on, on clay, on, on the ATP events in the spring, in the summer um where yeah what did you think of his week and how how high can he go yeah i mean the guy has won uh his biggest challenger title in february i mean the biggest title of his career in february at at monterey the challenger 125 and now he's upped it by 50 points um pretty amazing i mean uh he only actually played one top 100 opponent here and it was Diego Schwartzman, which is kind of surprising, you know, given how strong the draw was initially, right? Uh, for example, if Shevchenko won this title, he would have beaten four top, top 100 players on the way. Uh, <laughs> but Porges beat one. But I think it still doesn't take away um, from the, how well he served, which was also the case in uh, Monterey. And also, like, um, just, just the ability to turn points around from, from a defensive position, from, from being behind in a point, uh, which proved super pivotal in the final because there was like, um, you know, it, it's very rare that, um, the, a match is decided by one point, but that's how it felt in the final with, uh, with that long rally in, um, um, in the game where Borges finally broke Shevchenko and then, then the Russian didn't really have anything left. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, as you said, uh, the, his ranking situation right now is just amazing. He's just gonna, these points from the first two months, I mean, not the first three months of the year, but basically since Delray Beach to Phoenix are gonna keep him afloat for a long, long while. And, um, I guess we always knew that he, kind of has more staying power, you know, than the likes of Elias or Fred Gil, uh, you know, the Portuguese guys who reached like the top 60, 70 in the past. Of course, Joao Souza was, uh, was, was like a main to mainstay, mainstay for a long while. Uh, but again, um, I think I mentioned that with Monterey, like it, it it's going to be also interesting to see how he schedules himself now. Uh, because since uh, since he actually ended college, he was mostly playing on clay, and um, right now we're seeing that maybe it's actually time to return to uh, his uh, you know the, his um, the, the the surface that was his favorite uh, in college or even before that. Um, of course, in the in the spring he's gonna play on clay mostly because well that's that's where the ATP tour is going to be. But there's definitely going to be some uh, some moments this year where uh, there are going to be uh, like you know, spots for decision-making. Yeah. Uh, as for Shevchenko, it was his third challenger final, his first final loss. All have happened in the past nine months. He started in qualifying, beating McKinnon, and then getting a second set retirement from Leandro Riedi. Then he had a wild match against Gael Monfils in the first round, which was interrupted and delayed and all over the place. Uh, Shevchenko's, uh, Monfils is also Shevchenko's idol, as he said on Instagram, which made it even more emotional for him. Yeah, and they, they, they know um, each other very well, right? Because they both trained with Bresnik. I mean, I don't know if Monfils still works with Bresnik in any capacity, but of course, Shevchenko, you know, Bresnik is like mm -hmm. uh, a second dot to him. 
and uh yeah they, they they've they've practiced uh, together many times before yeah and from there he takes out Mark Andre Wessler then he gets the huge upset over top seed Matteo Berrettini 6-4-3-6-6-3 also takes out Alice uh couldn't quite get it done in the final even though he was on his way but you, you could just tell that he was he was all out of all out of gas in the end but he moves up 31 spots number 101 14 points away from the top 100 so uh even qualifying for Miami might be enough for him um but yeah we, we will see but he, he he's on the edge definitely there what did you think of Shevchenko this week yeah, I mean, the scheduling killed him, but um, that's not really, I, I can't really say that it's the fault of the organizers, right? Because um, this is just how it works with the Monday to Sunday challengers. If if there's one day of, of uh, basically no action, um, you know, you're going to have to play too much. Yeah, you're going to have to play two matches in one day. And Shevchenko just had to play six sets on Saturday. So it's no wonder that he was tired for the final. Uh, Borges had to play five, so it's not like he was, <laughs> you know, he had that much of an advantage, uh, but still. And, uh, yeah, th- this is definitely the best we've seen Shevchenko play on hard courts. Uh, this is like, it doesn't compare to Tenerife at all. I think maybe you could even try to look for that uh, match in, um, Dubai against Hurkacz to, for, you know, wh- where, where this started. But this was certainly how, um, well, his baseline game has never been more potent of clay than uh, what we've seen this week. And yeah, he got the best two wins of his career by a country mile. I mean, he um, ranking wise, he only beat uh, the ADP 73, I think at the time, Karbais by Stechin last year. And now he took out 51, number 51 Wessler and number 23 Bertini. Uh, and as I said, if he beat Borges, he actually would have had to play four top 100 opponents in one week. Uh, and he was actually... In a row as well. Uh, yeah. I, oh yeah, and in a row. And he was uh, a match away from the top 100 as well. Uh, if he beat Borges, he would have broken it. But I mean, it is pretty clear that he's going to do it soon, right? And mm-hmm. like, to me, he just looks like a guy who will stay around on the main tour, like on clay right now he uh he should be doing a lot of damage in the european swing i think like not, maybe a lot of damage sounds a little like a stretch i'm i'm not saying he's going to win atp titles or something but i just don't think he's going to be losing um every single you know first round or something like that he is uh, a certainly um a very obvious talent as well uh, i actually had a bit of a discussion with a friend of mine today about um well about the set of winners that we had on the challenger tour today uh, this week and like which one of them has the higher ups highest upside and um i think our conclusion was mostly that like it's probably majerovic but it would not be shocking at all if it was shevchenko who had like the best career in terms of just consistently being uh yeah i don't know a top 60 player or i don't know we'll see but um yeah the guy is extremely talented of course <laughs> and we've had him three times on the show <laughs> yes yeah i mean he, he has to defend the, the bratislava title of course but that's not until june so yeah so he, he, has, he has a window like during that time he's he has like three three quarterfinals i think yeah there are some results yeah. but i mean if he keeps playing like this it, it, it's not too much yeah yeah he, he should easily break the top 100 and potentially even stick around without the bratislava title mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I just hope that he comes to defend it if, if i go to see it <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, as for our semifinalists, let's start with Alice, who beat Gregor Barrer in the first round, 6-3, 6-1. Then he took out Rusuvori, 6-4 in the third. Beat qualifier Kovacevic, 6-2 in the third, before losing to Shevchenko. What did you think of Alice this week? Yeah, just um, he did what he had to do, I guess. Um, this is a, a, definitely a bit of a testing time for the Frenchman because as we as we mentioned a few weeks earlier, um, like if he can stick around uh, on the main tour until the second half of the year, the payoff for him could be huge. But if he cannot, you know, make up for all the points that he's dropping because of his ridiculous start to 2022, he could be in trouble. So a semifinal at this big challenger certainly helps. Um, quite surprised that he lost to Shevchenko, but I did not watch it. I went to sleep after the quarterfinals on, on Saturday. Or actually, maybe I was... No, I, I don't think I even went to sleep. I think I was flying back uh, that day, but uh, never mind. I, I definitely didn't watch it anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, crashed Barrer on outdoor hardcourts, showing that the Frenchman is definitely not as, like the other Frenchman is definitely not as dangerous on um, outdoors. And uh, yeah, a couple of very solid wins against Kovacevic and Rusuvori. Uh, I guess we'll, we're not going to mention Kovacevic, but he also would have broken the top 100 if uh, Alice uh, didn't beat him. Because, um, well, at the time he didn't know that. So he wasn't actually playing for the top 100. But the only way he was going to be like kept out of it, it was if uh, Shevchenko beat Struff in the final. So... Um, as it turns out, it was a match for the top 100, although at the time it wasn't really yet. Yeah, he, he's he's just one spot behind Shevchenko, 15 points away. So we, I think we can also safely assume that he will, he will break yeah. pretty soon. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Jan Lenach Struv, who reached the semifinals as a qualifier. In qualifying, he takes out Enzo Koako and Rinki Hijikata. Once he qualified, he beat Kotov, Kokinakis, and Bublik, 6-4 in the third. What did you think of Struff this week? Yeah, I mean, throw out the Gerasimov loss in Vilnius, and he's had a fantastic year, right? Uh, maybe maybe without any like standout results, but uh, three quarterfinals already. Oh, sorry, three semifinals at the, on the Challenger Tour already. One more quarterfinal, uh, getting through the qualies at the Australian Open, getting through the qualies in Indian Wells. And he also seems like a guy who's going to be in the top 100, like back in the top 100 in his case, not debuting in the top 100, uh, but back in the top 100 in no time. And, and yeah. This year, he actually looks like he belongs there because, of course, last year um, it was more like glimpses of it, right? I mean, it there was that perfect run in Braunschweig, but uh, and of course, like Sofia, uh, the final in Bergamo, but um, there were also like long moments and like losses that shouldn't really happen to him. And this isn't really the case this year. There was only that one to Gerasimov where I think he was still like may perhaps not fully fit coming off the the injury. Yeah. Do you want to talk about anybody else in the singles? Um, no, I don't think so. Right. Let's go over to the doubles, which was, I mean, absolutely stacked. Starting yeah. with Ram and Salisbury, who lost to Cash and Patton, like surprisingly easily. You also had teams like Farah and, and Melo, like a lot of experienced doubles players playing their first challengers in a long time. But ultimately, the title was taken by Lamens and Withrow. 
their seventh title together, six challengers and one ATP title. First one this season after three finals in Auckland, Dallas and Acapulco. So they were they were due this one. They beat Nice and Jelinski, who are obviously Australian Open finalists. Uh, but this was only their second win since then. So they've not really had the best time of it. Uh, seventh final, fourth one of the challenger. They also got to take revenge on Rinki Hijikata in the first round, who played with Saville. Uh, they beat him, I think, in straight sets. But yeah, all all around very exciting event. Uh, yeah, can't wait to see more of these. Let's move on to Viña del Mar, which also had a lot of excitement with Thiago Seboshvild winning the title over Hugo Gaston, 7-5-6-1. Seboshvild's second title after Guayaquil 2019. Uh, on his run, he beat Midon, Orlando Luz, uh, Andrea Pellegrino, Tomas Barrios Vera. Um, obviously, we, we have we have two week rankings, so you're also counting his Santiago final from last week. But he is up 155 spots from number 400 to number 245, earned 104 of his 222 points uh, across these two weeks. Almost half gets him to slam qualifying range out of pretty much the gutter uh of the rankings what did you think of say Boschville this week i even see him at 226 which is um yeah i don't know if where you were checking where did you check that but um you know maybe, anyway maybe he wasn't updated yeah yeah 226 you're right uh, okay yeah. yeah must have been from the final still not updated yet anyway i mean um even now even more certainly going to be in Grand Slam qualifying range mm -hmm. and yeah another guy that we actually might start like thinking about whether he can break the top 100 this year and uh I don't know I mean playing like this he can certainly do that he this is this this has been a, like a bottom tier top 100 clay level for sure um the guy the other guys just can't handle his forehand and that's been the case for the mm -hmm. past um couple of weeks i mean against delian even he was the better player of course there were a lot of factors as well with the bolivian being kind of tired but you know he, he was actually like leading 3-1 in the deciding set he probably should have won that final in santiago had he not tightened up at the end um no such problems this time of course gaston hasn't really been a strong final player in on the challenger tour i guess we'll talk about it in a second uh, but um, yeah, other other than that, I mean, even though he played 11, sorry, 12 matches in like 15 days, am I counting this right? I think I'm counting this right. 12 matches in like so, 15 yeah. days, he was still going strong. And um, I think when I watched him live in Kozerki last year, I, I maybe we talked about him on the show even. And I definitely remember saying to, um, I don't know, remember where, but I, I said somewhere that um, it's quite shocking that this guy does not have that that forehand, you know, that got him the ATP 250 title, that his forehand is just so, um, yeah, just isn't a threat. And this changed in the past couple of weeks. Why so suddenly? I don't know. Um, there's a Brazilian um, guy uh, on Twitter who uh, texted me about um, something else, actually. Um, Louis, um, you know, cheers, because I think he's also a, a friend of the show, let's say. And he, um, well, he also mentioned that he's heard some stuff about uh, Sabofield, which, uh, you know, this is just uh, what I got from him. So I'm not sure what his sources are, but uh, that he started training in Argentina and like stopped um yeah partying and and etc he's like taking it super seriously now found a girlfriend in argentina and the coach um, as well 
and uh and yeah that basically he uh, started taking things uh, very seriously recently um you know we we've seen on a number of occasions i think um some other rumors suggesting that maybe at some other points on uh, at some points of his career he wasn't exactly uh, committing fully to tennis so well and, and and he he also had allegations yeah. uh, allegations of domestic abuse well. yes so um a mess in his personal life as well which also seems to have you know if, if, i don't know if it's gone uh at least it's like dialed down no one no one really talks about it anymore so um perhaps it's all of these factors you know contributing to the fact that we now have Thiago Sabofield playing uh, yeah pretty much probably just as well as when he won that ATP 250 title i i, I don't think it's wrong um now the only question is whether he keeps that up historically he hasn't been able to do that but yeah right now he's you know he's he's older he's more mature he's had all these experiences maybe maybe right now he's actually gonna be able to handle it yeah as for our finalist Hugo Gaston it was his sixth challenger final still looking for that second title but it was his first final loss as a high ranked player uh he also lost to Sabochfield back in June 2019 in an M25 Montauban final uh fun fact he he also played Bonzi in two ITF finals back in the day Gaston did uh but on this run he beat Gonzalo Lama got a retirement from Federico Gallo also beat Bonadio in three sets took out Vavasori in the semis moved up eight spots to number 98 re-entering the top 100 what did you think of Gaston this week? Yeah, I mean, the the final performance kind of leaves a sour taste on the week for sure. Um, we've seen it. We've, we've seen it before with Hugo Gaston in the in Challenger Finals, right? I yeah. mean, Ron last year was basically both him and Laxon and not being ready to take the title, and someone <laughs> had to. And in 2021, he was, of course, um, yeah, the, the last two sets against Pellegrino, um, Kuzmanov in Barcelona, uh, Morain in Turn. I mean, whenever he was just behind on the scoreboard, he would just give the match away uh, instantly. And here, the same thing happened. I mean, he lost that game at 5-6 uh, for the love up, actually, on serve. And after that, there was no match. Um, and, but in general, he, he had, he had a lot of trouble handling the, the save of with forehand. Um, the variety wasn't really able to overcome it. So I don't know if he would have won. Uh, but yeah, he, he did not really give uh, a big effort in the second set. And, um, I guess that's mental because yeah, we've seen it before. Yeah. Let's move on to our semifinalists, starting with Tomas Barrios Vera. Who beat Miligeni Alves in straight sets, then got a big win over Navona in a third set tie break, also dealt with Lopez San Martin in the quarterfinals. What did you think of the Chilean this week? Yeah, not not the strongest of runs. I think especially the match against Navona wasn't really mm. that good, but was really dramatic. And like the crowd got him over the line for sure. Uh, which I thought was maybe going to be a bigger factor as well against uh Sabofield and then potentially Gaston, but uh, he also seemed kind of tired in uh, in the semi, which um, I'm not sure really, you know, what was the, the reason for it. Maybe maybe it was still that Navona match, I don't know. Uh, but, but certainly a pretty solid showing, and he seemed to be like uh, a huge crowd favorite. Of course, the, the event was in Chile, mm-hmm. so... Um, yeah. Yeah, our other semi-finalist was Vavasori, who beat Leite in the first round, then got wins over Tirante and Ugu Karabey to reach the semifinals. Very nice from him. What did you think of him this week? 
Yeah, a small chance was opening up for, uh, you know, for a first <laughs> title for Valsori. It, I think even the first, um, title, um, professional career as a whole, right? Because I think he's also never won an ITF. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think so. Gaston, Gaston just proved too good from the baseline, but it, I, it, it's certainly a storyline that I'm sort of following, you know, to see if, uh, if Vavasori is somehow going to get that title. There was also a uh, Bonadio who lost to Gaston in the, in the quarterfinals here. And, um, for a moment, there was a chance that, you know, Bonadio was going to play Vavasori and then one of these Italians would get their first chance at a title. Of course, Bonadio has ITF titles, but not challenger and, and Vavasori has never won a professional title um i think is he one of these players who also hasn't won yeah he also hasn't won a juniors title so uh basically i don't know i mean maybe he's won some titles when he was 12 or 14 in singles but he hasn't won a junior i i I assume so i I assume he's won a title at some point in his in his life as a a professional kovacevic was also in the in the same spot he also before winning uh cleveland was it this year the one against ibinko in the final cleveland i think Mm -hmm. Uh, before winning Cleveland, he also had no uh, pro titles in singles and also no juniors titles. Yeah, I also wanted to mention Alvaro Lopez San Martin reaching his first challenger quarterfinal at 25. Uh, he made it out of qualifying with wins over Castro and Boki. Then he beat Darderi and Torres, both in three sets in the main draw. What did you think of Lopez San Martin this week? Did not get to see him much, or, or if anything, frankly. Um... But uh, yeah, he, he he's been putting in some pretty good results this year. Um, that twenty was it a twenty five k or fifteen k? I'm not sure here, but he won an ITF earlier in the year, beating Rincon and Shellbike back to back, which is pretty cool. Uh, but no, I I don't think I've seen him this week. So, or honestly, have zero recollection of his game, frankly. <laughs> well, I mean, he he's inching towards that top three hundred debut, so. Maybe maybe we'll see more of him soon. Over in the doubles, we had Hidalgo and Rodriguez lift the title, their seventh challenger title together. They got a bit lucky with walkovers in the first three rounds, so all they had to do is win four sets. Uh, but they won all four sets, uh, so they get the title. They beat Darderi and Vavasori, who, uh, for whom was the second tournament together after losing first round of Santiago last week. And now we go over to match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, I don't know. Maybe let's start with match. I I did put out my Twitter poll, and I included four matches there, which was Barrios Vera Navone for the drama, um, Serdarusic Maroshan, and uh, Kovacevic Konel and Shevchenko Berettini in Phoenix. My own vote uh, went to well. I, I don't think I can actually vote as the guy who made the poll, but if I could, my own vote would go to Serdarusic Maroshan because I'm biased and this is a match that I saw live. But there's actually a few, um, there was a few, uh, good picks from, uh, Sekesh Fehervar. I was thinking about, uh, Medjedovic Piroš was one, uh, Medjedovic Yonel as well, honestly. Like, I've never enjoyed Yonel as much as this, but of course it was mostly because he was playing Medjedovic and he was just defending so well too. Um, yeah. To, to basically keep the Serbian honest. But um, yeah, there were a few great matches in Sekesho Hervar, but I think I would have to go with Serta Lusic Maroshan as my favorite. Uh, just a, a really good um, level from, from Serta Lusic that made this match suddenly interesting, even though no one really expected that. 
Yeah, I, I will join you on that one. I, I haven't watched Beretini Shevchenko, so I but but I do plan to rewatch it at some point this week. So maybe my vote would change in that case, but I did vote also for Marojan Sedarusic. Uh yeah, it was just a very exciting match. I did not expect Marojan to be in all sorts of trouble against against Sedarusic after how dominant he was, even though yes, they were uh retirements in there, but his level just seemed so high. I felt like he was almost destined to to go win that title. Uh, but obviously it didn't work out that way. Said that Rosic put in a brilliant performance. Uh, as for episode of the week, who would you like to go with? Hmm. Um, honestly, I could even go with Akabikun Kirkin beating Kureshi Ramanathan. Uh, but I'm going to go with, actually, the I see that the bookies agree with me. And um, Shevchenko for Berrettini. Pretty yeah. huge, you know. Um, yeah, I just I just never really thought that Shevchenko was gonna be able to get this sort of a win on hard courts. When I watched the match, it like actually made sense, you know. He he has the much better backhand, he is a great mover as well. Uh he was really able well, you know, a big part of that was how well he was serving and hitting his forehand, which historically hasn't always been really uh like his strong suit on off clay so um you know that that's perhaps the part that they couldn't really have predicted or thought of but um yeah just just wild result frankly even though i am a huge believer in shevchenko it was still uh absurd to me and uh yeah he actually he actually like you know it wasn't it wasn't even berrettini being that that awful yeah, I'm. I'm also joining you on that on, on that one. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, Shevchenko, I mean, leading into that match, he had beaten McKinnon, that got a re- retirement from Riedi, beat Monfils in a pretty awful match, from what I was reading. Yeah, it, uh, it, it the was. level was was not high in that one. And then Westler's level has been very up and down, very very inconsistent. So I wasn't that shocked that he beat Westler. Yeah, uh, but him beating Berrettini was not something that I thought was a possibility uh, on that day. <laughs> um at all but yeah we yeah, can pre- go over to our mm-hmm. uh did, did you want to see no, something? no 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 I, I just wanted to say that yeah precisely there was nothing about Shevchenko's run that suggested this was possible <laughs> yeah and we can go over to our previews uh we didn't get anything right this past week so our standings still stand at nine to eight nine eight to me and we start in BL which is the only 100 of the week indoor hard courts with Dominic Sticker as the top seed facing baby Jukayev could then play Gengel or a qualifier in the second round. Also in a section is Denny Kolash facing Mika Brunold, who's in with the wild card. Winner of that match will face Squire or Masur. Second section with Brody, the fourth seed playing Durasovic could then face Jessica or Neukrist. Jessica was a surprising name that I didn't expect in this draw, but I'm very happy that he's here. I'm curious to see what he shows. Uh, Gabriel Diallo is also here playing Dylan Dietrich and then Lazarov or a qualifier. Third section, we have Norbert Gombos as the third seed playing a qualifier and then Celik Bilek or Kukushkin. In a section, we also have Richard playing Hassan and then Dugas playing Tyson Kwiatkowski. Fourth section, we have Rodinov as the second seed playing a qualifier, then Jakub Paul or another qualifier. Otto Vitanen plays James McCabe and then Batutin or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have some interesting names. Dzeviecki beat Ramanatan, so he's in with a chance playing Kirill Kivatsev. I'm, I'm kind of laughing about the qualifying because frankly, we have we have four events in Europe this week and it shows in these qualifying yeah. draws. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the interesting names, I think, are Kopil. He plays Porzelatze. Yeah, that, that, that's a fun final tricky. qualifying round, yeah. Uh, Rechberg is also here. He's playing Oberleitner. Mm -hmm. uh, Safpart plays Zuckerman, who's the top seed. Just seeing uh, Zuckerman as a as a top seed in a qualifying it, draw. It's unnatural. It's yeah. weird, but I guess he's had a lot of good ITF results to get himself into like the top one, the top four hundred. But yeah, the, these qualifying draws in all of these uh, events this week are very very weak. Yeah, the doubles, however, in BL is popping. We have Dustin Brown and Aysam Olha Kureshi as the top seeds. Trzewiecki uh, plays with Valkov. We have Balazin Ramanatan teaming up. Durashovic and Vitanen play Gengel and Noza. Brody and Omara are playing together. Harrison Smith are the third seats. JP Smith, that is. Uh, Igor Zelenai is playing with Zdenek Kolarz. That would be lovely if they could go far. But they also have Arnaud and Weissborn in their section. But going back to the singles, who are you going with for the title? Yeah, some important things to mention with some of the players is that Diallo has just won a 25k in Montreal. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to well, make it. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a long way for sure. Um, and that, maybe... that, does he play tomorrow? Or what, am I no, I mean, definitely this not. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, yeah. they're not they're not gonna do that to him I'm pretty sure uh, baby Zhukayev was also in the final of the 25k in Trimbach and I wonder if he can be a tough matchup for Stricker and the same goes for uh, goes with uh, McCabe Vitanen like the conditions are gonna be pretty fast and both McCabe and Zhukayev have awesome serves right so it, it, these aren't ideal matchups let's say to start the event uh, but I think I'm still pretty much tempted to pick Stricker here because I think if he beats Zhukayev, he's got every chance of making it deep. Brody is dangerous, you know, we've just seen we've seen them play a very close match in um, Lugano. Uh, Brody is, of course, also a former champion of this event. This was his first challenger win in BL. Uh, but I, I am still pretty tempted to go with Stricker anyway uh, because, well, in the bottom half, you could try Vitanen, but again, I'm I, I, I'm not sure if I trust him. I know he's just won a point for you, but um, he is a player who usually, as a favorite, is maybe, um, yeah, can, can just can have matches when nothing is working for him, when the motivation doesn't seem to be there as well. Uh, Gombosh, of course, has been out of form. Uh, Rodionov is a possibility, but yeah, in a, in a, in a quarter with Vitanen, I'm also not a fan of this pick. So yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Dominic Stricker. I would not be surprised with baby Zhukayev um, even beating him if he can just, you know, keep holding serves. Uh, but I would also not be surprised with Dominic Stricker like doing a 6-2-6-2 to him. It's basically a question of how, uh, like, whether Stricker will be able to return Shukayev's serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm joining you on the Stricker pick. I don't want to pick out of Vitanen and Rodinov in the same section. Gombosh, I think, has a very nice draw here to make it to the semis, but I'm, I'm just not in a place where I can pick him right now. The, the form is not there. Stricker, yeah, uh, Zhukayev could be tricky, but I think it's a nice section for him. Otherwise, if if Brody is the toughest player he can face in the semis, then I think that that's not horrible. Uh, the and, and if he doesn't make it, then the other players I don't think are that tricky, especially if Diallo is, has to travel so much. So I'm I'm pretty confident in, in Stricker going all the way this week in BL. We can go over to Las Franquesas del Valles in Spain. 
uh, which is hard outdoors. The top seed there is Max Purcell, currently the number one challenger player in the challenger race uh, this year. Even though Borges is now hot on his heels, that's the number two. Purcell will face Arnaboldi, then Ulysses Blanche or Mikhail Hertz. We, he also has Yonel in his section playing a qualifier, and then Edan Leshem or David Jorda Sanchez. Oleksi Krutich is the third seed playing a qualifier, and then Lukas Rosso or Oriol Rokabataya. Marco Trujeti plays João Dominguez, and then one of two qualifiers. Dalibor Svechina is the fourth seed playing Mansuri, then Buyun Chokete or John Echeverria. Uh, Adrian Andreev plays Daniel Merida, and then Steven Diaz or Gastel Elias. Hugo Grenier plays Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo, and then one of two qualifiers. Also Justino and Moleker in this section, as well as Clark and Kachov. In the qualifying, do we not have all the matches played? Yeah, they, they they um suspended due to darkness. Kashnikovsky ah, okay. is leading Kravchenko 5-4, and I think maybe the other two haven't even started or something like this. Ah. Yeah, but as as you mentioned, we do have uh, Kashnikovsky here. We also have uh, Cox, we have Menshik, uh, Billy Harris. Uh, but yeah, as you said, these qualifying fields are not as strong as we're used to seeing them. In the doubles, we have Cabral and Purcell teaming up as the top seed, which I think is a pretty exciting crossover. And they have a challenge in Bergevi and Tsitsipas in the first round. We also have um, Raja and Sharan are here. Portolitin Matos Gornes, uh, Inigo Cervantes is here once again playing with Roca Bataya. Uh, but going back to the main draw, who do you like for the title? I mean, it's it sounds like a, such a straight uh, Max Purcell pick. And this is a point I have to make about his scheduling. Um, I promised that also to one of the friends of the show, John, today. Uh, because, uh, well, Max Purcell has recently announced on like his Instagram or something, his schedule for the next three months. And, um, well, I, I think it was like his Instagram. I don't know. Someone sent me a screenshot and he wants to play this. Then, uh, I think some, some other event and then, um, the altitude hardcore events in Mexico. Then, depending on how they go, uh, the South Korean, uh, tour as well. And uh, basically, like only two events on clay, you know, Round Garros and um, Lyon or uh, Geneva. And I think mm. this is a schedule that can get him extremely far <laughs> because yeah. honestly, like these altitude hard events in Mexico, if they are as weak as Morelos was last year, you know, maybe, maybe the fact that there's two now, Leon and Morelos, will bring some players, will bring in some players, but. Um, yeah, just looking at just looking at the the quality of the fields there uh, last year, I think Purcell is going to have a lot of fun there. Just like he's going to have a lot of fun here. I legit don't know who can beat him in the top half, but Krutik. And um, in the bottom, pff, who could he lose to? Realistically, I mean Andreev, um, Grenier. Yeah, sure. Um, Max Kashnikovsky, maybe. Uh, I would love, obviously, for Max to qualify. I think it's really vital that he does, you know, for him to get back on the right track uh, after the injury. Uh, of course, he's won an ITF, but, um, you know, just, just get back to the challenger level in style, let's say. Um, I don't know if he will, though. You know, he's 5-4 and four against um, Kravchenko, and he's probably going to have to play two matches in one day. And against Bobrov, who, um, well, at least has a good slice and it's kind of hard to hit through him uh, when uh, when you're tired. So, uh, I don't know. I'm not confident. 
I think I have to pick Purcell here. I mean, I I think you need to do that as well. Like, I, I'm sorry that we're gonna match up on two on two bigs already, but like, how how is Purcell not winning this event? Frankly. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to do it, but I will match you once again because, like, t- tell me who beats him. <laughs> yeah, Krutik is like the only go, go, going round by round, like, like round by round. Just tell me, Andrea, fifty speed, and like, like that's the only things. Maybe if Grenier, you know, would catch some form by the time he reaches the final, but it's like three players in the draw. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, I I could see Grenier going up to Sanchez's kid, though. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I, I feel like that's more likely than than him reaching the final yeah. uh, by by a final margin all right and we can go on to sadar which is on outdoor clay where chun sinseng is the top seed playing mate valkus then one of two qualifiers is if valkus is fit that is an exciting first round match if if Tseng shows up uh we also have koboli in the section defending champion as we mentioned he plays mili polichak to start and then jumhur or Gianu. sebastian ofner faces nirman fatic and then jekic or madaras uh, who was who had that insane one <laughs> streak that, I mean, we, that we've mentioned? He, he's just won another uh, ITF, by the way. I mean, he's he's just won another 25k. Uh, he's 26 and two for the year. That one lost to Basic in Antalya qualifying, and also to Rezar Tsungu, that uh, Montenegrin guy that I think we also talked talked about in Bratislava for some random reason. And um, um, yeah, he's 26 and two for the year, and trying to go for that ITF record. Uh, but I mean, he yeah, he needs I mean, to keep I, himself out of the top two hundred, right? Yeah, that, that 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 that's that's your conspiracy theory is that Madaras is going to lose all these challenger weeks <laughs> uh, just to just to keep himself low enough to play ITS. Exactly, exactly. So he can go for the record. <laughs> we'll we'll see how that goes. He faces Akic in the first round. Uh, we also have Kopshiva against Medjetovic in the first round, which I think will be exciting. Winner facing Gigante or a qualifier. Ginard faces Genesi and then Sederosic or Mager. Ryan Penniston plays Jean-Bord Piroš and then Kimer Kopejans or a qualifier. Final section, we have Josef Kovalik as the second seed playing a qualifier and then Dino Prismic or another qualifier. Laurent Locoli faces Artur Kazo and then Duya Ajdukovic or Tituan Drogé. In the qualifying, we have Cepieri, that... I wasn't expecting him, but here he is. The highest ranked uh, he, player in the field. Yeah, he, he's going to be definitely a even higher than uh, even higher than Sank. Yeah, he faces at Setkic, uh, who struggled to beat Franenimcevic. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeremian, your favorite, got through a crazy match against Kretu. Six love, one six six love. Plays Milojevic uh, for a spot in the major. As we mentioned, Meltzer plays Pichler. We also have guys like Misa Basic playing uh, Caruso, Battle of Two veterans trying to keep themselves afloat on this level. So that would be a fun one if they can bring it. Uh, over in the doubles, we have Yebavi and Pavlasek as the top seeds. We also have Basic and Jumhur teaming up. Uh, Molchanov plays with Polichak and their fourth seeds, actually, which is pretty interesting. Kopchiva and Pospi, she'll be getting another uh, episode of them. Actually, against Ginard and Sedarusic, who played together last week. Medjedovic is playing doubles with Nerman Fatic. Ofner and Peniston here as well. Gianu teaming up with Kovalik. A lot of, lot of random <laughs> teams, it feels like. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Savanov brothers are here as well. They'll be big favorites. Ajdukovic and Incevic are teaming up there. They got one of the wild cards. But going back to the singles, who do you think will win the title? 
Very tough question. This is probably my favorite draw of the week. I mean, not even probably. Very strong. Yeah. A, it, a lot of players can win this. It's strong, a lot of good first round matchups, and extremely hard to pick out of. Like, I'm even yeah. looking at someone like Gerald Pence <laughs> or the Pieri, frankly. Like, they are serious picks here yeah. because no one really knows who's going to win. I mean, yeah, as you said, if Valkus, win, if Valkus is fit, he can beat 100%. Is he fit is always the question of Valkus. I think the official reason for his retirement against Serdarusic was dizziness. So, uh, you know, you, you can't really... That, that, yeah. That's an interesting one. Of that, Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, someone that I'm kind of thinking of is Ofner. You know, he was just in the final in Antalya and um, his section is not easy. Um, I could also, yeah, I mean, I could also pick Majedovic, but do I think he's going to go back to back? And and he also starts against Kopriva, like that. That's not that's not easy. Um, Pirosh, um, I, I'm not sure if, again if he's if he's like fit for to play five matches, even though I think he's a massive favorite against Penistone, right? On clay, or maybe not actually. I mean, he, he is definitely a favorite. Let's say that, uh, but he can play Kopians in the second round. Then again. Um, yeah, Ginard's still not really buying into his form, but Ginard said that Rusic can play each other in the second round again. Jesus, uh, I wonder what Kazo is gonna do, but it's like a bit of a you know, I want to see it before I actually pick him because, of course, he has not played since uh, that that uh, marathon against Sweeney in Chennai, and then he withdrew from the two Indian challengers where I think you picked him in, as a winner in one of them. Um, <laughs> So, so uh, as much as I would love to pick Kazo, uh, I, I, I first want to see what he does. Prismich could be a real threat here, uh, but I think we've also also have not seen him in like a little bit at least, right? Um, I mean, he, he's he's won an ITF title um, over a week ago. Seems like a 15k out of the um, the opponents that he played, frankly. Uh, he was a massive favorite in every single one, and I mean like ma- every single match. But other than that, he only played these two Irish challengers. You know what? Um, now, nah, I mean, the, the the pick that I'm that I want to go for is Ofner, but at the same time, screw it, Dino Prismich. <laughs> let's let's go. Uh, honestly, oh the ch- the chance that I that I um, pick the correct winner in this draw is extremely low. I, I guess um yeah I, I wasn't expecting that that name to come out of your mouth there uh so I'm not I'm not going to match you on that one you can be safe with that I will be going with Jean Borpiros uh, I really like this performance in Sekishvehervar uh lost Medvedev I mean he he was unlucky to face Medvedev in the quarterfinals like the, I, th- I think that's the that's the truth of it um I like his section a lot against Peniston he should beat him Kopeans he just beat Gnad said that Rosic could be maybe dangerous, but I, I like it to make I like him to make the semis. Once he's in the semis, you could have Kovalik, Prismich, Kazo, maybe, but I think I would take him over over any of those. So I think Pirosh for the title. Yeah, I, I quite like that. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean the chance that you um get it correct with Pirosh is just as low. Uh, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's, I it's think just it's slightly such, higher, but I mean, yeah, it's it, it's not it's not super high though. It's just such a, take it, such you know, a tough draw. I would, I would I would put it at like seven percent. I would put please me at less than one percent. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 see how it all shakes out uh, in Zadar. 
And we head over to Sant Briuk, the final event, the only one on indoor hard courts this week, uh, where the top seed is. Oh, yeah, as well, right? I mean, oh, right, yeah. right. My, my bad. Yeah, the, the only 75 on indoor hard courts. We, we have a lot of different surfaces this week. But yeah, Escoffier plays Kalamanshide, which would be... That, that should be an interesting match. This whole first section, my God. Escovishidek, then the winner plays Brumont Janvier, but then Berankis is playing Ilkel and then could face Juk or a qualifier. Juk just won in 25, right? Yeah, in Trimbach. So he's won yeah. seven of his last nine ITF events uh, and all of them the 20, uh, 25K level. Yeah? I mean, it, it's, it's just incredible. And I hope he finally turns it into a challenger run. Then we have Evan Furness playing a qualifier and then Sebastian Fancelo or Antoine Huang. Harold Mayo is here playing a qualifier and then Foretek or Guimard Weinburg. Collignon plays Pierre-Ugerbert in what should be or could be a very interesting first round match. Winner faces Kachmazov or a qualifier. Ferreira Silva plays Edhart and then Oradini or a qualifier. Litu plays Danadet and then Gibodo or Emery. Onklan plays Mochizuki and then Sachko or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Lyal, we have Borg, uh, Jürgen Briand, Fancut, we have Albano Olivetti still in play. He beat Haliak. In and he actually got match. in on his own ranking, by the way, Olivetti. Yeah. That's how, you know, that's how low yeah, it went Yeah, this is definitely the the weakest of the of the events. Um, but yeah, over in the doubles, let's check who's in there. We have Aded and Olivetti teaming up. They have Borg and Emery in the first round. Luke Johnson and Sandra Bake, they've been very consistent throughout the season. They're here once again. Foretek and Sachko are teaming up as are Jacquet and Mayo. Uh, we also have Nicolas Salminen and Stevens, who I think are this number two in the challenger race right now. Uh, in teams, we have Duncan and Willis as well. That will be very exciting. Acidic and Pell. But going back to the first, first round, going back to the singles, who do you like for the title? This is very similar in one regard to Zadar in that uh, there's no way I'm going to get this winner right. And <laughs> at the same time, it's also not that strong, of course. Uh, there, there are some sections here that are absolutely wild to me. Um, someone who I think could have a very good chance is like Oncleon or Collignon, like one of these guys. Um, easily could win it. The bottom half in general doesn't seem that strong. Emery, frankly? It could work. I, I remember picking him in 2021, but he went to the quarters, so it was actually kind of close. Um, Escoffier, Shidek, yeah, not, not, not going to do that there. It's still, there's still something that is very wrong to me when I see Antoine Escoffier as a top seed at a challenger, which is um, probably a problem with me. You know, he has had an incredible streak of winning the first round at a challenger and then um, almost always making the, the, the second, uh, I mean, almost always making the quarters as well. He's at like, I mean, 10, to be fair, ranking wise, this is closer to a 50, I think, than a, than a 75 for sure. Yeah, it's like very similar to um, the the one in Spain we have this week, but uh, without Purcell. Basically, <laughs> it's mm. it, it is really similar in terms of like the depth of the field. Yeah. Um, Ilkel Barankis is a good first round matchup, uh, and I really don't like the matchup of Juk against Ilkel. But I think I'm gonna go with Katzper Juk as my pick. Like I, I don't know. Um, I I just don't know who's gonna win this. Um, like if I was trying to go for it a little more seriously, I think I, I would. Go on clan 
but um yeah i i, I want this to happen uh, i really want this to happen i'm gonna manifest it you know casper Rook is gonna win this title it, it's time you know it, it's just ridiculous that the guy wins seven out of nine 25 k's i'm pretty sure there are plenty of players like at the um even in the top 200 who wouldn't have this sort of um, efficiency at the 25k level and yet um he hasn't had a decent challenger run since uh, well i guess he had a semi in ismaning but of course like the carpet courts there are pretty <laughs> specific so i guess he hasn't had a good run in since biel last year by the way interesting call as well for him not to uh, not to try to defend the final in biel which was an 80 last year and go to saint Biel. but i think it, i think it's definitely a good call given Cor- the, the, the quality sure. of the field yeah yeah, yeah. Even though the points here, of course, can be lower. I, I, I'm not a fan of his matchup against Ilkel, but I think if he wins the first two rounds, he is fully capable of winning the event as well. So, um, like, he wouldn't still be the, the favorite to win it, but uh, he would actually, like, be one of the contenders, I think. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Kasper Juk. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the points are the same as, as an 80, uh, all, all the way up to that 70, yeah. like, all, all the way up to the title uh rank like like they've remained the same um i'm excited to announce that we're both picking from the same quarter the stacked first quarter i'm going with chemi ilkel for the title mm-hmm. so i'm going to counter manifest your your juke uh title <laughs> prediction and i'm going to manifest chemi ilkel's happiness and thriving uh going forward <laughs> No, it's fine. Um, we actually have a pretty decent chance of meeting in the second round, which is going to be, yeah, yeah. be quite nice, um, at least for one of us. Um, all right. And I guess that's going to be it for this week. Um, thanks for staying until the end. Thanks for also uh, for um, just listening to some parts. But even if you're not going to hear this, um, you know, me being thankful. And uh, yeah, we're going to meet you guys in a week to discuss the events of Zadar um this is the easy one to pronounce biel this is also pretty easy and there's also some uh, this week and uh, of course las franquesas del valles um yeah see ya bye